This is Jimmy Scroggins. I'm the lead pastor at Family Church in West Palm Beach, Florida. Are you tired of going to conferences, reading books, and listening to speakers who tell you how to do church when you know that you cannot do what they are recommending? You've come to the right place on our podcast. We're going to give you principles, strategies, and ideas that you can implement right now with the resources you have at your church because this is church for the rest of us. Welcome back to Church for the Rest of Us podcast. I'm Jimmy Scroggins, lead pastor of Family Church. High atop the Family Church Complex in our special studios, I'm joined today by Bev Bonner and Kim Wells, frequent guests on Church for the Rest of Us. We talked a couple of weeks ago about tracking guests, and today we're taking a deeper dive and how to follow with people after they attend First Connection, which is crucial for us. Bev and Kim are follow-up gurus. They lead our Connections and Group ministry as a team together. Bev, how did you arrive at the system that we have now for following up with people after they attend First Connection? Well, that did take a long time to arrive there. I can tell you that. It's been quite a process. And for a long time, we were really overwhelmed with, like I can remember, a stack of sheets on my desk of people that I needed to follow up with. And I I remember getting so overwhelmed that I thought, I've got to talk to some other folks about this. Somebody's got to be doing this better than what we're doing here. And so I reached out to Danny Franks at Summit Church, and he was a tremendous help to me, just helping me. Yeah, everybody called Danny Franks. Yeah, that's right. Everybody (laughs) called Danny Franks. He was awesome. But he was a tremendous help to me in, in helping me understand how to filter our guest. And what was really funny is the more we talked about it, he said, you actually already have a filter in place. He said, you have a filter called First Connection. And so that was our first step was realizing that First Connection was our real filter. And instead of following up and spending our time and energy on every guest that walked in the door and, you know, everybody's done it. You've called somebody and you've called them and you've left messages and you've texted them and you've and emailed. Polite and they're or silent. Or silent. Never called back crickets. And you have no idea. And you know that, but you don't want to, like, take them off the list And so he really helped us change our way of thinking. And we talked about First Connection on our last podcast, but he helped me to understand your filter in place is First Connection and just go ahead and use it and just really put your energy and focus on following up after First Connection with the people that you have. And so we really refocused our team. It brought a whole new energy to our team because they were now not just overwhelmed with all these papers of stacks and stacks of guests contacts, but it is our gateway. And so it's the place where for the very first time in our church, other than somebody coming after a service and seeking one of us out, they actually are intentionally making a plan to step toward us. And really in their minds, it's a commitment. I'm coming to First Connection. This is my first commitment. I've said, yes, I'm going to be there. And then First Connection, like we talked last time, allows us to identify just the next step that they have and then really begin a more focused, more intentional follow-up process to get them engaged in the life of our church. And again, the tracker helps us with that as well. Yeah, we've talked previously on a previous podcast about the tracker. And Kim, you're kind of like the guru of the tracker, right? The data nerd. You're the data nerd. You're the big (laughs) boss of the people tracker at Family Church. So talk to us about how the tracker works for us. And we talked a lot about how it gets people from first-time guests into First Connection. How does a tracker serve us after somebody attends First Connection. Yeah, so uh, when we have, you know, in a, a given year, um, 300 and some odd people that will that'll come on our campus through First Connection, we want 
not only to identify the next step, but then to have a some kind of a system or a pool of how we can collect those names in specific buckets. I use that as a picture. It just it seems to work my, in my mind that you have all these people and they all have different spiritual steps that they need to take and to have a system of buckets or a list. So for instance, if you have 20 some odd people out of a first connection that need to be baptized, then that's a commonality that you can put them on a specific list. And then also those that maybe they're member eligible, but they're not ready to join. Right. Or even sometimes you have people, this so new, they don't even know how to articulate even a salvation experience. So we haven't gotten to that place yet. And your yet. tracker lets you put them in these buckets so yeah. that you can identify who's what. Absolutely. And, and then that affects that, who follows up on them and how urgent it is. Absolutely. And so like when we have a baptism class that we offer uh, for people who their next step is baptism, we have a natural pool that's already been created. So we allow a system or a process to build those for us. Right. I think what's really important about that too is like when you have people attend First Connection or your guests, and every church has this. So somebody shows up, all right, well, they are like already church. They are Christians. They're just wanting to know like, how do you tithe? Where can I start teaching a Sunday school class? You know, they just want to jump through the hoops and get involved. And they say, oh, you know, Pastor Bill from my old church said to come here and we're here and we're joining. And this is our first time here, but we're joining today. So you got those people. Then you have the other people who are kind of Christian-ish, but you're not sure if they're really believers. And then you got these other people that they literally have no idea what's going on. Like they came to First Connection because they heard you say your next step is First Connection. And they and just kind of- Or free lunch. Yeah, free lunch, <laughs> child care. And they're like, really? You'll keep our kids for another hour? We're in. Yeah. All right, so you've got, it's just all over the map, but the tracker lets you separate those out. And I think that's so important because it's a different kind of a phone call when I'm calling Billy and Bonnie Baptist than it is when I'm calling these other folks who maybe literally just don't know what's going on. So look, every campus, you know, we're really a family of neighborhood churches, a network of neighborhood churches. And in our scheme, so we have, you know, some of our churches are very large. They run hundreds or well over a thousand, but a lot of them are relatively small, maybe between a hundred and three hundred. And so every one of these operates as its own church when it comes to how First Connection and how the follow-up and the tracker actually works. So some of our teams are bivocational. Some of them have large staffs with a lot of capacity to follow up. Some of them, everybody on their team is working a job all week long, 40 or 50 hours a week, and then kind of doing this in their extra time, in their discretionary time. So how do we help manage that? How do we kind of work with the bandwidth of our different campuses to make sure that we can serve them the best we can as they try to follow up on guests. Yeah, I think what I like about this tracker system is that it it really provides an allowance for size differential. So when you have somebody who's running at a very fast pace, I mean, we just have to at some point admit that we have limitation as much as we'd like to be able to retain that information in our minds. And I am super pastor and I can remember every name and what their next step is. It's just not practical. It's not not reality. And so when you have a bivocational pastor who... He's running 100 miles an hour, and they're trying to keep up with all the different things that are available um, at all these campuses. And so, for instance, if we have a beach baptism, instead of him trying to sit down and remember the people that he knows need to be baptized, we have a system, a process in place that creates a natural pool of people that's already listed for him. So he can go right there, and he knows these are the people that their next step is baptism. And then he either can make those calls himself, or they're already pre-assigned to other staff members, and they can just have a pretty quick conversation about that. It really is just a system that we developed because we honestly we just admitted our limitations and we just said you know what we, we can't do it all but what we can do is focus on these people in a very direct and specific way and yields tremendous results all right so kim you alluded to this a moment ago when you talked about our baptism class one of the things that our post first connection tracker does is it creates a pool 
for us to reach into when we want to start new groups, uh, have a baptism class, have a beach baptism, all these different service opportunities that we have. So this creates a pool for us. Talk to us, Bev, about how you use the tracker to feed those different. Okay, that's a great question. And it's kind of cool because there are times, and I know this is going to be hard to believe, and I'm, I'm going to admit it to you as my senior boss, <laughs> okay. okay? I met Favorite with somebody. Boss. I met with somebody about a week and a half ago and took a bunch of people to coffee. Took about five people to coffee, following up with them on serving because they had actually filled out a card, checked the box saying they wanted to serve, and they hadn't been contacted about serving, right? But that happens. It's going to happen from time to time. And so what's really cool about that. It's when we, anytime we have an emphasis on a baptism, beach baptism, so we have a baptism class, so we can then go to the tracker and we can pull people that their next step is baptism. If we had an opportunity like a group connect, which is a place where we showcase our groups, we try to get people into new groups. We actually sent emails to people that had checked they wanted to be in a group. And for the majority of them, we had followed up with them, but they had not responded. Well, here's another opportunity that we can pull those same names again because they're still not in a group. Because on the tracker, one of the tabs we have is what their next step is. And if it shows they're not connected in a group, then now we're emailing them, letting them know about new groups that are coming up. And same thing with serving. If you have an emphasis on serving, and we were trying to build up our parking and our hospitality team, and so that was how we came across some of those names. And then so we pull them, and then we get to meet with them. And so it really is a safety net as well. It works both ways because the tracker gives us the name so we can know who to go after. But then at some point when we've stopped pursuing that person, we still have some events and different things that we can go back to the tracker, pull those names again, call, email, text, or reach out to them in some way. Well, also like, you know, we talk a lot about leadership pipeline. We've done podcasts on this. And I really feel like First Connection is kind of the first step into filling up the bottom of our leadership pipeline, if you will. I mean, you think about it because like, you know, we work with kids. We've talked about that, how we work with fifth grade kids and try to identify leaders from among our fifth graders and give them an opportunity to be involved. We get middle school students involved with church planting. We get high school students involved mentoring middle school kids. We get college kids involved in internships and we have a residency for adults beyond that. In addition to that, uh, we have all kinds of other pipeline points where people get connected, whether that be groups or sometimes events. Like we've talked about how um, we've used this first connection pool, like when we have like a trunk or treat or a special event where we need a lot of volunteers and we get people who won't do anything. They don't give, they don't serve, they barely attend. And yet they'll come and show up and help us with a special right. event around Christmas time, around Halloween, around Easter. And so it just gives it. And these are all actually, it's not just because we want free volunteer labor. It's because these are connect points for them. And Bev, one of the things that you're passionate about is how getting people involved isn't just for them to help us, right? Mm-hmm. So talk, talk a little bit about that. Wow. And, you know, I could probably talk for days about this, and this is one of my— Let's little, make it minutes. Okay, I'll try. <laughs> uh, this is one of my soapboxes. You know, you can plug holes all day long in a ministry. I need a third-grade teacher. I need a preschool. But honestly, when we really think about the position we're in as shepherds, as leaders, as stewards— God is bringing people to us. He's brought them with a specific gift set. They're here for a certain amount of time or a long time, whatever time God has placed them here for. And we're stewards of that. We're responsible for their spiritual journey. And so to me, yeah, we have first serve opportunities at First Connection. We present a lot of them that are opportunities you can be in that's once a month or every other week, or it only takes you during part of the service or whatever those are like. 
their first serve opportunities. But we also know that's their toe in the door so that we can then begin to interact with them and see where do they really fit best and and why did God bring them to our church and how can we help them on the journey that they're on? Because potentially they could be leading a small group one day. And babe, you at this point, you're one of the very top level leaders in our entire church. You're at the top end of our organization, but you didn't really start out in vocational ministry and somebody cared enough for you to get you involved. Tell us how that happened. That's right. So when Dan and I married, we moved away into... um, Because y'all were like 14, We were 14, yeah. It was crazy. (laughs) Actually, my picture, it looks like I'm 14. Everybody's like, oh my goodness. Tell them how old you actually were. We actually, I was 19, he was 20. So we married and we moved away a few years after we married for the very first time away from all our family. And we went to Raleigh, North Carolina. I was working as a bank teller at the time. And the lady that came in to the bank uh, when we had first moved there, she worked an elementary school office. So she brought in lunch money every day. And she was a strong believer, strong witness for the gospel. And she intentionally, I look back now and I know what she was was doing. She was doing what I I do now, right? (laughs) She was working her tracker. But she came in and identified when you in town started inviting us to her church. So she kind of had a captive audience because I had to sit there and count that change, you know, and said the whole time. So she invited us to church. We went and we loved the church because people were friendly to us. They reached out to us. Wasn't long after that, that Dan and I got involved in a small group or a Bible study class at that time. It was Sunday school. And we got involved in that. And then from there, someone's pulled me in that group and said, hey, we have a Wednesday night ministry called Awana. And I thought, what in the world is that? You know, I had no idea. But we need you to come and teach and we need you to come and work with these kindergartners and memorize verses. And I really look back, Jimmy, and I know that that was where God began to just engage us and deeply root us into the life of the church because we were in a worship service. We were hearing the teaching. Now we're involved in a small group. Now we're serving. And I, I fondly call that the trifecta of really engaging somebody in the life of the church. And that's your story. And I love that because, and you and I know enough about each other, like that story was actually repeated more times. So you moved to Orlando, had a yeah. similar experience, started as a volunteer, ended up being on staff, came to West Palm Beach, started as a volunteer, that's right. ended up being on staff, which just tells you if Bev shows up at your church, just go ahead and hire her. <laughs> Save some time. Everybody does it, right? But it really, to me, that's where the heartbeat came of it's really not about just getting somebody to do the job. It's about the job that you have as a steward. You're giving somebody the opportunity to get on their way in their spiritual journey with God. He's going to grow them. You're going to learn things in ministry. So to me, it does not. I love recruiting. That's one of my very favorite things to do. And I love recruiting people because I'm looking down the road at what this can mean in their spiritual journey. Yeah. And I like that too, Bev, because we're not recruiting them just for what they can do for us. No. We're recruiting them for their own spiritual development. That's right. And so in some ways, it may feel like we're asking them to do us a favor, but we're actually doing them a favor. That's right. Because we're getting them involved in the mission and getting involved in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. So Kim, this is why follow-up is so important, right? Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, when I came on staff, one of the things that was kind of an epiphany to me was that our job as church leaders is to train people up to do the work of the ministry, not to do the ministry for them. And that was just a turning point in my mind and my heart. And so to just learn from Bev and learn how even to just start, like she said, with those first serve opportunities and just to watch somebody who that's such a part of their growth that they love it. They love what they're doing. 
And so that just tells me like how important that follow-up is. And I think traditionally in the church, we've put a lot of premium on baptism numbers. It's right. just kind of been the thing that we tracked. Get you in the water. Get you in the water. Close and, the books. And, and then that seems to be the end of it. But really, that's just the beginning. Mm. Right. And so for us, you know, that's why our tracker actually takes them all the way through. And if we... Our goal, and we'll just put it out there, is that somebody, when they get baptized or become a member, that they would actually be in a small group, on a serve team, and in some kind of a discipleship relationship. Right. Now, we know that that trifecta is not going to happen all of the time, so we'll go with one if they'll right. go <laughs> for right. one to start with. But then our pursuit is then for the, for all three of those things to happen, and really for the good of each individual. Right. Yeah. All right. So look, all of this is so important because it really speaks to our vision at Family Church. And we know that in order for us to accomplish everything that God has called us to do in South Florida, we've got to multiply leaders. And that means that every aspect of our ministry has to place a high priority on identifying, training, recruiting, and multiplying leaders. And so thank you guys for what you do. Thank you for speaking into the process at our church constantly. Thank you for speaking to our listeners about this because I think This is one of those podcasts where I really think our listeners could listen to this and do some of it, and it could actually make a difference in their church, no matter what size church it is, no matter if they're a bivocational, single staff, whatever it is. These are principles that every church of every size could implement with the resources they have, and it would make a difference. So thank you guys for sharing that. And while we're out of time, Kevin Beth, thank you again. Thanks to our listeners for joining us. Please visit our website, familychurchnetwork.com, and share with us your thoughts about today's podcast. We want to learn from you. Also, be sure to check out the show notes where you will find an example of Kim's tracker, and maybe you can improve it. Maybe you can use it, but whatever. Hey, thank you for joining us. We'll look for you next time on Church for the Rest of Us. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. I'd love for you to follow me on Twitter at Jimmy Scroggins or check out FamilyChurchNetwork.com to chime in on our blog. We want your feedback on today's podcast. Plus, we want to know what you are doing because we want to learn from you too. Hey, until next time, this is Jimmy Scroggins and you've been listening to Church for the Rest of Us.